The specials never stop at Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. Every day, you get a large two-topping pizza for only $11.99. On Sunday, watch football and enjoy our large one-topping pizza and 10 wings for only $17.99. Plus lunch specials every day of the week. Blue Naples Pizza, an Italian restaurant. 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Charlotte out of timeout. Here's Morning. The shot. Goal! Game over! He's going to get off. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's got him this time. It's going to be a drag race. Wow. They touch. They touch. Now Ponogorovsky with it. Threw away the cross block there. Scramble for it there. They pump away at it. Still it's loose. Pumped out by Kovalchuk. They score! It's three! It's over! The runner at third. Nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third. One out in the second and didn't score. Smith. Corks one into right. Down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run. Welcome to The Score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Welcome to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside James Wilson, the one and only, and J-Dub, the Phoenix Suns, as we will hop right into it here in the NBA Finals. They've got a 2-0 lead. You and I both felt pretty strongly that whoever came out of the Eastern Conference was not going to be the favorite against Phoenix, and Phoenix has shown that they are the superior squad just far, thus far. Um, I have my thoughts on this. Let's get yours first. Is Milwaukee dead to rights, or can they force us back to Phoenix for at least a Game 5? You know, I really do think they can maybe get maybe get that one game, but at this point, it's really up to Mike Budenholzer. He's been absolutely an abysmal coach. He has no business being in the finals. He's not a good coach in, in, in the NBA compared to what we're used to. Some of these guys that we've seen in the finals have been pretty good. Um, Steve Kerr, a lot of people have said pretty uh, all over the board things with him, but he has many rings now from coaching and playing, but... At the end of the day, Phoenix has been outplaying them, plain and simple. It's not even about, well, this team's doing this trick or this team has had this issue. No, Phoenix is just the better team. I don't know what people are going going to be expecting from this, but the Phoenix Suns are better than the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, let's look at game two for a perfect example. Milwaukee loses 108 to 118 in the first quarter. Milwaukee leads 29 to 26, okay? Going into the second quarter, Milwaukee was outscored 30 to 16. Okay? Milwaukee then went on to either outscore or tie for the rest of the game. So you lost the game in one quarter. They lost the game in just that one quarter. That is poor coaching. You had an entire half to make up that deficit and you failed. You failed defensively. To make up the deficit, you kept pace, and that's not enough. That is exactly what I would expect from Mike Budenholzer. 
That is exactly the kind of coaching he will always be able to put forth. Unless you hand him a hey super team, he will never win an NBA title. And they they haven't necessarily handed him a super team, but uh, look, he's got one of the best players in basketball right now, if not the best player not named LeBron LeBron James at this point in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, We had thought the talent was around him to compete for an NBA title, especially in a season like this, but the first couple games here... Giannis has been doing all of the work, and Phoenix has completely shut down Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, any of these so-called supporting cast. And people like you and me know these things about Mike Budenholzer. He just doesn't know how to put these things together. Bucks fans have been claiming for the longest time that he is not the right guy. And then there's people who say, well, he's gotten to the playoffs this year, this year, and this year. And now he's in the finals, so how can you say that? Well, look at the coaching decisions he's made and look at how literally no one is helping Giannis right now. I mean, I hate to say it, but do we do we have such brain fog that we forgot when Brooklyn was basically so close to beating them in the Eastern Conference playoffs, they basically was saying, oh yeah, Budenholzer's done. Now he's in the finals, he's down 2-0, and we're going to change the script now? No, this is more time. You, you pile on, you add more to it. You say, hey, look, this is even more examples of why Budenholzer is a poor coach. Not to mention the fact that he played all-star reserve Chris Middleton more minutes than he played all-star starter Kimball Walker in the all-star game in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is why I hate him. But he's also just a bad coach. He's easily that was, hateable. That was clue number one right there. Right. He's easily hateable for me. I can't fathom an NBA team with the talent that has... I mean, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Are we serious, guys? Those, uh, those are really two really good players. This will be one of those finals that we look back on many years from now. And as though... and Let's say Phoenix does end up sweeping Milwaukee. This will be one of those where we say, hey, look, that was one of the ones we enjoyed watching. This will be a 2011 NBA Finals all over again where we look back many years from now and say that was good. 2019 will be the same thing. So, you know, I like first-time champions, so obviously I'm cheering for Phoenix the whole way. I love first-time champions. Milwaukee, you got one. I'm the kind of person that will always cheer for the team that doesn't have one because eventually that means, uh, you know, by that logic, if everybody gets one, eventually the Hornets will get one. So, you know, that's kind of that's kind of the way I look at it. But plain and simply, Milwaukee is not the good team or they're not even the best team. Atlanta would have put up a better fight, even though we talked about and But that's exactly what we talked about, though, is that Milwaukee might be the easier team and that and I said this I said Phoenix would rather play Milwaukee and I'm so glad that I was exactly right Atlanta would have put up a better fight but they had to get through Milwaukee it's just matchups and Atlanta had a tougher time beating Milwaukee than they would have beating Phoenix even though Phoenix would have beat them anyways Devin Booker has been consistently the best player in the NBA finals and as much as Chris Paul might get that ring he might not get that finals MVP yeah, I mean, is he the favorite right now for said finals MVP? Yes. Do I think that's a safe assumption? Yes. But 
you can't just ignore what Devin Booker did in game two. I mean, as much as Chris Paul took over in game one, Devin Booker did that and, and almost more in game two. So there's the other thing. Whereas Giannis is doing all the work on Milwaukee's end, you have Paul and Booker as a duo, and then you've got guys like, despite losing Sarich, you've got guys like DeAndre Ayton and Mikhail Bridges, who, who had the game of his life in game two. It still wasn't the leading scorer in the ballgame. It was Devin Booker. Look, when, when you've got one guy carrying the load versus a full five, it gets increasingly harder. Now, you can win one game with basically Giannis carrying you all over the place, but you're not going to get it to six that way, or or let alone seven. Yeah, Mikel Bridges has been great, but... You're exactly right on that. The, the Phoenix Suns have put up such a consistently strong team effort. Jay Crowder not, not, has been not doing... just this, not just this series, but all year. And yeah, Jay Crowder has made big shots at big times. And Game Two was no different. Right. I'm looking at Game One right now, and it looks like he did absolutely nothing. But Jay Crowder has usually been doing just enough um, to keep them in the game. And uh, he scored one point in game one. I'm, I'm, I'm just now finding that. But Devin Booker, to me, is the guy that's really been impressive me, impressive to me all uh, final series in the two games that we've had. Game one, he played 42 minutes and scored 27 points. Game two, he played 44 minutes and scored 31 points. So he's literally not taking a break. The only reason he even sat out in the last minutes of the game last night, he even said so, was that, Hey, look, I just wanted to give myself some legs. We liked where we were at. We thought we had a good spot. But if we needed to put me back in, we would happily put me myself back in, which is so genius. It's exactly what I want to see. Don't 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 play an extra three minutes for your superstar just because you want to. He was exactly right on the money with that. Pull yourself out. Take a breather, especially because that's I mean, that's brilliant. Before you go, you're flying to Milwaukee. You're going to have two nights off. You're going to go to, I don't even remember, what was it, Pfizer Forum or whatever it's called. But anyways, you're going to go and play up there. And you're going to have to realize that playing at home, you're up 2-0. You've done, literally, you have, this is an ideal scenario right now, right? You know, you've won the two games that you've been able to play. But you're going to Milwaukee, and I guarantee you those fans are going to be a lot more rowdy than people are going to give them credit for. Phoenix brought, I mean, they packed a house. I mean, they 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 impressed me with how many people showed up. Obviously, every finals game is going to be a sellout in, in history. That's just how it is. But Phoenix was very impressive with the market that they're in and the and the, and the city that they're in. It I was impressed with the the experience and the atmosphere that was in the arena. And I was watching it on TV, obviously. So it's impressive to see that. I do think Milwaukee is going to try their absolute best. And look, I a lot of people are saying Suns and four. Look, if you, I, I would happily say Suns and four until the cows come home. But I, I really do think uh, Milwaukee has a very good chance of winning one of their home games. And I'm not saying they will. I'm not trying to make a prediction here. But I'm saying... It might be a little bit closer than it has been in Phoenix, and I think they're gonna have they're going to have more from the rest than Phoenix will because it looks like Phoenix hasn't been gassed. Like it, it, that's the thing with Phoenix is they're up 2-0, but it's not like like it's taking much out of them to do it. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't look like they've had to work that hard to do it. Even the older guys that have been playing some pretty stuff. I mean, Chris Paul, forty-one minutes in game two. That's a lot of minutes. 
And he was all over the game. He was exactly doing, he was putting up the exact numbers that I expect of him. Over 20 points, almost 10 assists, and way too many rebounds. You know, four rebounds for him is very impressive. That's that's a really good number for a guy his size, especially considering that there are way other there are way too many other guys on that team that are way bigger than him. But you know, there are just so much consistency and so much just raw talent that has been displayed here. Jay Crowder to me has been great. He had a double double last night, just from eleven and ten in points and rebounds. Mikael Bridges, like you said, game of his life. Phoenix is a team. That is so, this is such a good story. This is so, this is exactly the kind of finals I want. It's a small market team. They've been doing this for so long. They've never been able to finally get there. They've never been able to finally get that respect that they've deserved for centuries, for hundreds of thousands of years, it feels like. And they are so close. And you're putting together a roster that wants to play there, that wants to be together, that wants to win and they only they want to win even more so because they're in Phoenix. They want to win even more so because they are on this team that didn't have the respect. Not even a few years ago, Phoenix was the butt of all NBA jokes. They had the worst record in the NBA. What was it? Within six years ago. This is a team that has been terrible. They, they did exactly what was right. They signed great players. They got good guys on good deals. They re-signed Devin Booker. They believed in him. They threw him a lot of money, which at the time I said was very dumb. I said, there's no way he's worth that much money. Well, I am so, in, and I like Devin Booker a lot. He's one of my favorite players, especially off the court. Just love the guy. He's a huge car nerd. He has tons of cool cars, so I love Devin Booker from every walk of life. But here's the thing. I am so happy to have been wrong about my prediction about the Phoenix Suns, and I'm so happy that they are this close to their first NBA championship. Absolutely. And from from the butt of jokes, that's a really good segue because there's another team in a different sport that just won their second straight championship and went from a meme to back-to-back champions and potential dynasty in 18 months. You probably know who I'm talking about because that was too detailed a tease, but we'll get to it next. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside world-famous James Wilson and J-Dub. As we teased at the end of the last segment, the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, went from their tweet at the end of getting swept after the greatest regular season in NHL history in 2019. They went from getting swept by the second wild card and tweeting probably the most iconic tweet in the history of hockey, Twitter, to that becoming a meme. They went from that to now back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. This one, maybe a little bit harder to get than the last one. I I will maintain that the Stanley Cup won in the bubble because it was in, in a bubble was the hardest Stanley Cup to win ever. But not that the Stanley Cup has ever easy to win, but Tampa Bay got the best possible draw, I guess, in Montreal. However, Montreal's run needs to be appreciated, and we'll get to appreciating that in uh, a second, but 
it's so wild that Tampa has gone from we have no words and we don't want we know you don't want to hear them to back to back Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, I, I, I really I don't like the word impressed because and I, I've I'm not gonna sit here and, and go back on what I said. I don't like Tampa Bay. I don't want to hate them though. I want to like them. I've said this many times. But it's so it's so hard for me to sit here and watch this team that has so much culture, so much lore, has been such a great young addition to hockey. I like what Tampa Bay has brought. I like the branding. I love the colors. I love the uniforms. And you know what? Plain and simply, I love the way they play hockey. And I'm very familiar with the way they bring up their guys because... I have had the pleasure of personally seeing. In fact, the only AHL I've ever seen is all is up in upstate New York. So I've seen the Crunch play, and the Crunch play so much better than most AHL teams because they don't have a bunch of guys who are so scared and they want to do everything right and they don't want to make those stupid mistakes that prevent them from getting that next call up. The Crunch play like they're an NHL team. They play like they want to have fun. They want to have, have play good hockey. But also, they, hey, we're going to win games by doing what we're doing. That's what I respect about this entire franchise from the top down, right? Tampa Bay, they're not. Uh, they have a pretty good system and just building the way they play hockey. It's. I, I don't want to say it's. It's not unique. It's. We've. We've seen the way they play before. They play fast, high skilled. We've seen this before. Colorado is a team to me that pretty much at any given point in a regular season out Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay, but then they don't actually make it work when it comes time to award those trophies. Colorado, there have been some years where they're a really solid team, and yet they can't even make the playoffs. So, to me, the thing is with Tampa Bay is it's just it's the money, it's the salary cap. I respect most champions. The only championship in my lifetime that I just have zero respect for is the Astros, and that's obvious. But Tampa Bay, to me, has had the next best, least respectable title. The, the money. I don't like it. I don't want to like it. To me, what's good for hockey is genuinely just what gets people watching. And people watched. So I'm not going to say this win was bad for hockey because it just objectively wasn't. But if Montreal won and it reignited the that passion for NHL-level hockey in Canada we might be having an entirely new league on our hands. Yeah, everybody likes the NHL in Canada, but most of that hockey love is its the way we look at baseball. There are people who love baseball in America, but they don't care about the MLB. They watch their kid play. They remember playing. They, 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 go, to these, they go to these college games and all this stuff, but I really wanted Montreal to win. I'm very disappointed that Montreal wasn't able to make it happen, but they did at least steal that one game. It was going to be tough, especially when they went down 1-0 and then 2-0 and then 3-0. Um, so, again, that that has to be uh, appreciated, okay? That is one of the more magical runs as the lowest seed coming out of what was thought to be the weakest division possible for them to come out of that and make it to the final 
The first time a Canadian team of any kind, let alone them, had made it to the final since 2010. First time they had made it to the final since 1993, which is the last time they won it. Um, the Speaking of Canada, the Maple Leafs have now surpassed the Rangers um, until 94. The Maple Leafs have now surpassed that drought for the longest cup drought in uh, Stanley Cup playoff history. Um, anyways... The run that Montreal went on cannot it cannot be understated how amazing it was again as the as the lowest seed in the playoffs coming off a division that we regularly poo pooed on every week uh, every week and I don't, not I don't say take we, anything back no th- no it was absolutely right they just happened to be the strongest team in that division mm, so absolutely I, I I don't know I mean the Herein lies the problem going forward for for Tampa Bay. Um, as we get back to them, they Stephen Stamkos even said post game after Game Five when they won it that it had been discussed openly that you know that squad was going to be broken up. Because of the salary cap thing. Um, the last team to really take advantage of it was the Blackhawks, who won it in 15. Or, I can't remember if it was 15 or 13. Either way, took advantage of it. Um, which we've talked about here before. The long-term IR, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, you know, we, we won't give you the spiel again. But, um, the problem inherent for Tampa Bay is in terms of, okay, do, do we call this on the verge of a dynasty. We can't because at least four or five key guys will not come back because even though the cap is not going up, there's still $15 million over it right now. Mm-hmm. So when it kicks back in on August 1st, we're looking at a completely different story. Plus you've got the expansion draft and you can't protect everyone. So some key cog in a deep, deep, over-salary-capped roster is going to A, be left unprotected, or B, leave in free agency because they can't afford to re-sign everybody. It makes you wonder how good Tampa Bay is going to be next year, the year after, three years from now, ten years from now. They might have, and that's why when I see people say, "Oh, this this is going to be a dynasty," I can't definitively say that. Yeah, because we don't know who is or who is not going to be back. Exactly, exactly. You wonder by winning the Stanley Cup, did they put themselves in the most vulnerable position possible? Because that, to me, is the ultimate question here. Is Yes, you won the Stanley Cup, but you also have way more talent than you can afford to hold. There's also a team on the horizon that is going to be doing an expansion draft by themselves, meaning they can handpick the roster. They don't have to worry about the expansion like you know, draft where there's two teams and they get to pick and whatever. You might have a situation in which Tampa Bay gets stripped so easily because plain and simply... They cannot afford to keep their guys. And there might be guys who literally want to stay on that team but can't because they they just can't they can't walk away from from the money they're worth. 
or the money they're owed, especially in hockey. I, I, I've said this once before on the show. We need to keep in mind just how much money $20 million is. That is a lot of money in hockey. Hockey, there's not a lot of money. They're the least paid athletes. And the salary cap never goes up. So Right, exactly. So they're the least paid athletes. They make far less than NBA, far less, way less than MLB, obviously, and then considerably less than NFL. All of those sports, $20 million is so much money in, in player payroll. And to have that extra bonus to carry you through to win a Stanley Cup, it's it's hard to respect it. But also, that's the thing, though, is you're not going to be able to do that more than once a year. In fact, you couldn't ever intentionally do that. They just kind of got lucky with it, which, again, I don't blame them. I'm not saying I wouldn't do the same thing. Of course I'd do the same thing. Why wouldn't you? You want to win. They didn't do anything wrong inherently or morally. They, they, they found a loophole and they took advantage of it. There's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. But However, that cannot be sustained. Exactly. You get away with that for a playoffs as Chicago did, and now you see what hap- what's happened to them the past four or five years. Chicago so, was supposed to have been a dynasty. They couldn't even, they couldn't even continue to win. I mean, heck, did Chicago ever even win two in a row? I don't think they, they ever did. did. They did not. They yeah, did they not. They never even won two in a row out of, the, out they of won, that run. They won three in five years, but they had to go out and get other pieces because they couldn't keep that same core together. This same core for Tampa Bay that's been together for four or five years now is that and has won back-to-back cups. We, we can't say that. Right. Because, you know, you look at the Chicago Bulls, six and eight, right? The only reason, I mean, the only reason they ever had a little bit of roster turnover was because of you know, in-house problems, players genuinely retiring or just leaving because they were worth so much money and they didn't want to stay and they couldn't afford it. But the Chicago Bulls won all those rings just by keeping that team together, right? Um, you look at other sports and other franchises with dynasties, but to me, Tampa Bay is not putting themselves in a position to have a dynasty. Not even close. It's just not going to happen. They've, they've put themselves out of that position. By taking advantage of the loophole here. Yeah, I don't I don't see a situation in which the Tampa Bay Lightning win more than one extra title. And it certainly won't be next year. I don't think that's going to happen. And obviously it's going to be a whole lot. I have, I have a lot of room to space myself between this hot take and there. But again, Tampa Bay in its current form, in its current dynasty, if you want to call it that, it's coming to an end. It is not going to be something that's going to be consistent. It's not going to be something that's going to last forever. People need to realize hockey, you have only so much time. You have such a small window to be great. Look at the Penguins. Where have they been for the past five years? I thought they had one of the greatest players in hockey. I thought Sidney Crosby was supposed to be some great legend. Some epic, you know, some, you know, the next, you know, the next coming of Marlon Mew. Where have they been? They haven't. They haven't won Mary. They, they're not that strong. They barely make the playoffs. In fact, they didn't make the playoffs. So you start to wonder at what point do these hockey teams put themselves in position to actually contend for years, for decades, rather than just one year? Too many teams. Well, you know, sell house, clean up, you know, just to get that one ring. 
Um, and it's, it's just not something that you can continue to do. It's bad. It's bad for yourself. Is it good for the sport? Probably. Variety is the spice of life. So many teams winning it in a, in a, lot, in a small amount of time is great. But I wouldn't want to win just one. I want to win five. And if it takes me an extra 10 years of building to do that, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's that's why we don't see that many repeat champions in the NHL because the second one is twice as hard to win as the first one. You and I know that. Um, some people might not, but it, that that's just it, that that's how it always plays out. But there's there there can't be there's not going to be an Islanders you know '80s dynasty. There's not going to be a Canadians of the 50s and 60s dynasty. There's not going to be a Blackhawks three in five years thing. This can't be sustained. Now, if you go out and get other pieces, like Chicago did, to maintain their run to some degree, then yeah. But I I can't sit here and definitively tell you all that this is a dynasty because I can't guarantee which of those big pieces are going to be back um, whether they're going to be re-signed or whether they're going to be unprotected in the expansion draft because someone has to be unprotected. You can only protect three, seven forwards and three defensemen or ten total skaters and, and two goalies either way. So, so someone's left in the open. And as much depth as that organization has to have won back-to-back Stanley Cups... Somebody really good is going to be left out there for Seattle to scoop up. With that, we'll move on uh, to a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Major League Baseball's All-Star festivities coming up this week. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and auto repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamRetire.com. Back here on the score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside James Wilson, the one and only. J-Dub, um, guess what's coming up this week? I don't know. What's coming? We have Major League Baseball All-Star festivities, and it begins with the Home Run Derby, um, which the field is now complete for that. Um, it's going to happen at Coors Field, the greatest hitters ballpark in the history of the world, not named the Polo Grounds. Uh, so th- this is, it, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, let's take a look at the lineup and the bracket as well. Cause remember, this is a bracketed competition. Um, Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim will be in it. As we told you last week, um, he's also going to not only pitch, but hit in the all-star game, which has never happened before. Two way guy in the all-star game never happened. Literally, uh, except for Babe Ruth actually. So it's never happened in the modern era. Uh, Otani's the one seed. 
He'll face Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals as the eight seed. Uh, the four-five matchup on the left side of the bracket. Kansas City Royals catcher Salvador Perez. New York Mets new hitter and absolute jack show Pete Alonzo. And then this is probably my favorite one on the right side of the bracket, the 2-7 matchup. Texas Rangers, the light tower power of right fielder Joey Gallo against the homestanding Rocky at Coors Field shortstop Trevor Story. And then an interesting one between Trey Mancini of the Baltimore Orioles who um, came this season and last part of last season came back from beating stage three colon cancer. He's the sixth seed. He'll face Matt Olson, uh, an up-and-coming rising star from the Oakland Athletics. So I have my pick. Who's yours? You know, really, there's a lot of guys in this, but I like Sheho Otani. I don't, I don't doubt you at all, and and I agree with you. As much as I'd love to see Trevor Story win the hometown thing, as much as I'd love to see Trey Mancini get it done for his story or Joey Gallo, mm-hmm. Shohei Otani right now is the best hitter in baseball. On top of having like a 2.1 ERA or something like that because he's from a different universe. Yeah, um, a, I mean, <laughs> the kid is crazy. <laughs> he's, he's unfair. He, OP. I mean, it's it's crazy. Is literally from a different universe. Like, it's it. That's just how it is. Uh, I see him taking it home, but it's going to be close. I think Trevor Story gets to the final against him. Um, I don't think he gets it done though. Nobody's stopping Shohei. Um, speaking of the All Star Game, uh, before we get into our picks for it, we told you the starters last week. Uh, now let's tell you the reserves which have been announced. First, for the American League, we'll get to the pitchers. Starters and relievers both. Shane Bieber of the Cleveland Indians. Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. Sands his spider tack. Nathan Evaldi, who's come on hugely for the Boston Red Sox. Kyle Gibson, a surprise for the Texas Rangers. Yusei Kikuchi of the Seattle Mariners, another surprise. And name. then Lance Lynn. And uh, NC State Wolfpack alum Carlos Rodon, both of the Chicago White Sox. Relief pitchers for the AL, Matt Barnes of the Red Sox, Aroldis Chapman of the Yankees, Liam Hendricks, the star closer of the Chicago White Sox, Ryan Presley of the Houston Astros, and Gregory Soto, the lone all-star for the Detroit Tigers. That is their representative. Uh, no Cedric... Uh, oh, yes, sorry. Position players. Um... Mike Zanino of the Tampa Bay Rays is the backup catcher for the American League. Jose Altuve of the Houston Astros. Carlos Correa also of the Houston Astros. And Bo Bichette of the Toronto Blue Jays make up the middle of the infield while the corner infielders are made up by Jared Walsh of the Los Angeles Angels. Jose Ramirez, the third baseman from the Indians. And the other first baseman, Matt Olson of the Oakland A's, who is also in the home run derby. The outfield... Consists of Michael Brantley of the Houston Astros, Texas Rangers standouts Joey Gallo and Adolis Garcia, uh, the guy we talked a lot about last week, Cedric Mullins, who will probably end up as the starter uh, over Mike Trout, who will not play, as there's an asterisk next to him already if you go on the MLB website. And then the two designated hitters as reserves, J.D. Martinez of the Red Sox 
and the Ageless Wonder Nelson Cruz of the Minnesota Twins. All great, great choices for reserves. As for the National League, let's get you the pitchers for them first. Corbin Burns, the standout starter from the Milwaukee Brewers. You and Brandon Woodruff, another Milwaukee Brewer as well. You Darvish of the San Diego Padres. Jacob DeGrom, the cheat code from the New York Mets, who, by the way, starts tomorrow, Sunday. So, therefore, he cannot pitch in the All-Star game, but he's still on the team. Uh, Kevin Gosman, the ageless wonder who found the fountain of youth in San Francisco. Herman Marquez of the Colorado Rockies. Trevor Rogers, the, um, the lone Miami Marlin. All-star Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies, who stood out as well. The relievers, another Milwaukee Brewer. Josh Hader, the big staunch left-hander. Craig Kimbrell of the Chicago Cubs. Mark Melanson of the San Diego Padres. And St. Louis Cardinal standout closer, Alex Reyes. As for the reserves for the National League, JT Romuto of the Philadelphia Phillies is your backup catcher. The middle infielder is made up of Ozzie Albies of the Atlanta Braves, Jake Crowenworth of the San Diego Padres, the second baseman, third baseman Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs, and another ageless wonder who's found the fountain of youth, 35-year-old Brandon Crawford of the San Francisco Giants, as well as Trey Turner of the Washington Nationals. That's the middle infield plus third base. First baseman Max Muncy of the Los Angeles Dodgers also found his way on the squad, deservedly so. And the outfield made up of two Dodgers, Mookie Betts and Chris Taylor, two Washington Nationals, Kyle Schwarber and Juan Soto. Kyle Schwarber, who hit 16 home runs at 18 games in June and drove in 30 RBIs in a single month, uh, probably one of the greatest months we've ever seen. And then Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates is the second Pirate All-Star, despite how uh, they're mightily they have struggled. J-Dub, who do you see out of those two squads coming home with a victory Tuesday night? I'm going to tell you, it's got to be the National League. Well, uh, give me a reason why. The Cubs play in the National League? Or, excuse me. I cannot believe you just made that mistake. Dude, dude excuse me. Chris Bryant has been pretty good this year, okay? The Cardinals yes. have been pretty good this year, okay? Hey. Those are two squads that have good all-star players. The Cardinals have been doing okay. The guys we've had in the game have been doing really good. Don't be – look, I hate, hate, hate the Cubs, okay? Currently, we have the exact same record with them. Cardinals 43 and 45, same as the Cubs. But the National League, to me, has produced more – Players that have been in position all year to come into an all-star game and say, hey, look, we're going to tear this thing up, we're going to go home, we're going to win it, and then we're going to get right back to business. Okay, I, I, I don't, I can't explain it. If you, it's, I'm, I, it's a feeling, it's a gut feeling, okay? Look at some of these teams in the National League and tell me that I'm crazy. I don't know, ever heard of the San Francisco Giants? Ding, ding, ding. Number one in NL West. How about the Padres, who regular season are so close. The NL West race has been so close between the Giants, the Giants and the Padres. The Giants are so surprisingly good this year, and we talked about Gosman and, and Buster Posey last right. week. We talked about Gosman just a second ago and Brandon Crawford. Mm. That is the second oldest roster in Major League Baseball, and they currently have the best record in baseball. Although I, I haven't looked to see if they're overtaken by Boston after uh, the St. Louis Cardinals went in there and uh, magically beat, took two with three from San Francisco. Um, 
But look, I, I agree with you. It's got to be the NL, and and here's why: the the offense is stronger. I mean, you could make me the case that there's a better starting lineup for the AL. I disagree completely. Mm-hmm. You can't make me that case. You can make someone else that case. I, but the thing is, and let's look at it this way, most of the I mean, best just, players in the AL are from the bad just, teams. Exactly. Just just listen to the middle of this order, okay? Right. Uh, after, well, it's not how the batting order is going to be, but listen to third base through the outfielders for the National League. Nolan Arenado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker, all three of which are hitting over 300 and have at least 15 home runs. Christ. I mean, that's a powerhouse. In Corners Field, mind you. Right, so, which is easy. Easy to hit. Hitters, hitters park in big gaps. So yeah. even if guys like Arenado and, and Acuna and, you know, speed guy like Frazier, uh, even if they don't go deep, they get it in the gap deep enough. Yeah. Watch out when Trey Turner comes to the ball game. Do you know the what I'm hoping man, for? The fastest man on the planet right now. I mean, the NL, I mean, look at the reserves, too. Not that the AL reserves are bad, but when you get somebody like Jake Crowenworth is playing as well as he is, and Eduardo Escobar of the Arizona Diamondbacks, who's surely on the move at the trade deadline, two of the best outfielders in baseball right now, and Soto and Schwarber. I mean, the NL is just stacked, and then you go to the pitching. I mean, the bullpen is unstoppable. Do you know what I'm hoping for in this game? High scoring? No. Last inning. Down to the wire. So incredibly close. And we get this. I pride myself and think of myself as a man of faith. And there's a drive into deep left field by Castellanos. And that'll be a walk-off home run for the National League. My God. Oh, can we get Lord. one of those, please? Can we get Bruderman on the call? Can we please get? We got to get him back from Puerto Rico Dude, first. Castellanos is going to kill this game. We're missing out on the best duo in sports. Is the biggest homophobe in baseball and Castellanos. We need them back together for one more game. We need them. That is why I'm cheering for the National League. We need it. We need Castellanos to come in there and be like, yeah, yeah, and tear it up. Okay. Drive into deep left, and we will get a walk-off homer. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. All right, then. (laughs) (laughs) With with that, we'll say goodbye for this week. For James Wilson and Desmond Johnson, our producer and head of everything Tobacco Road Sports Radio, I'm Brett Wiseman. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you had a good holiday weekend last weekend. Enjoy Major League Baseball All-Star festivities. And we'll see you all next week.